0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Hello, Lisa Leong here and you're listening to This Working Life on ABC RN. We're still away taking a break, so here's one of your favourite episodes of 2023. The power and joy of saying no at work. Enjoy!
2: Enjoy! I had been unwell with an immune system disease called sarcoidosis.
1: This is Natalie Lu. It's 2005 and she's already been on medication for a year at this point.
2: Within weeks of coming off the steroids, all of the horrendous symptoms were coming back.
1: So she's sitting in a doctor's office hoping to get some
2: answers. The consultant basically said, look, you don't have any other option but to go on steroids for life and started talking about, you know, you can die from pulmonary heart failure by the age of 40 and all this type of thing. And I was listening to him talking about this, explaining my lack of options. And then something just clicked
1: and suddenly Natalie heard a voice.
2: I heard myself saying no, but I actually looked around because I was surprised at myself saying no. It burst out of me before I had a chance to to change my mind. But I, I felt like I had to fight for myself. Because how how did I spend a year on steroids? Plus, goodness knows how many months before that, traipsing in and out of hospitals, only to be told, well, actually, none of that has made a difference. So now you're going to do it for the rest of your life. That that just made no sense to me at all.
1: And whatever Natalie realised she was tapping into, well, it extinguished the people pleaser in her.
2: For the first time, I really felt this fire in me, like I wanted to fight for myself. But also it was like I'd made my whole life about everything and everyone else. I was a good employee, a good daughter. I tried to be a good girlfriend, but typically in all the wrong relationships. And suddenly it was like, no, you are responsible for your life and you've got to make your life about you. And and I wanted to fight back all of a sudden. I thought, I'm not ready to be done. You know, I had this tendency before that day where it wasn't as if I never ever said no, before, but it was always with almost begrudgingly, like I was being forced to do something terrible against my will. And so I would feel bad about having said no. Whereas this time I was like, no, I've got to fight for myself here. I actually want to care about myself.
1: Does Natalie's story sound familiar to you? Are you often heard saying, yeah, no worries. Of course I can help you with that. And yeah, I can take that on yes yes too many yeses then suddenly you're feeling overwhelmed and perhaps a tad resentful
3: are you simply saying yes to defer it to future benjamin and is future benjamin going to be absolutely irritated at the fact that you said yes to it
4: i'm like every single time i'm saying no i feel i've got like power in me like hamer's got this superpower Clear is kind, unclear is unkind.
5: I love that because it is actually about how can you come to a shared understanding.
3: No, I don't want to. And that was the entire email. No sign off,
0: nothing. Sometimes it's not about saying no, it's really about saying not yet.
1: I'm Lisa Leong and today on This Working Life, the joys of saying no at work, why you should say it more often and how you can say it without feeling rude. Now let's go back to Natalie.
2: I'm Natalie Liu and I'm the author of a new book called The Joy of Saying No and I write about relationships and self-esteem for a living.
1: Natalie, you mentioned being a good employee in quotation marks. (laughs) How can it be a bad thing to be a people pleaser at work?
2: So When you are a people pleaser at work, you are going to exploit yourself for the benefit of others. So it might be for the benefit of your boss, of your coworkers, but also even if you're working for yourself, there can be the sense of it's almost limitless. I am a machine. I've got to perform. I've got to deliver. And of course we only have so much time, energy, and effort. We keep on pushing and pushing and pushing ourselves. We try to be perfect. And we really can breach our boundaries at work where what happens is we have this idea of what we think it is to be a good employee. So it might be, well, a good employee always says yes whenever people ask them to do something or a good employee stays late or a good employee always like dives in and fixes the issues because that's what it means to be a good team player. But the problem with this is that none of these things are bad things per se, but they are problematic when you're unable to get a sense of where your limits are and where you are doing more than what is your responsibility. You are maybe working far too long hours. You don't go to the bathroom. You don't take breaks. You don't eat. You barely have any time for a life. But also you can find that In your quest to be a good employee, you can find that you're breaching your boundaries. And a classic example of this is, you know, I will talk to people and they really value some quiet time. They want to spend time with their with their families. They want to be also a very present parent. At the same time, their idea of being a good employee means that when it's a day off, they are still on email, they are still picking up calls, they are still basically working on their day off. And that puts them at odds with themselves and with their lives. And when people really see this disconnect where the people pleasing is, is, is causing them to go against themselves or to exhaust and burn out themselves, then I think that people really start to question what on earth it is that, that they're doing at work.
1: Natalie, are there other reasons for an inability to say no, not just people pleasing? For example, I'm thinking like FOMO or could be ambition, or are you saying that deep down, it's always about people pleasing? Maybe even that your parents and your teachers, pleasing them has been internalized
2: through time. That's a great question, Lisa. So something I talk about in the book is about how All of us are socialized and conditioned to some degree to be people pleasers, because unless you are a child right now, then you grew up in what I call the age of obedience. So where the Interacting, communicating, you know, disciplining of children really centered on making them as obedient as possible to authorities. And this has happened, you know, at home and at school and in church and community. And then it's just been that much easier to carry that forward in adulthood, for instance, into our work lives. Now the thing is one could say that, yeah, maybe the reason why we are struggling to say no at work is because we have our eye on this goal. Like if I say yes to all of this stuff, I'm going to be promoted to whatever it is, you know, within six months or a year, or, you know, I'm going to be seen as a particular type of person. or I'm going to get a pay rise. And, What we then have to look at is really the why behind, like where did we learn to feel fearful of saying no about particular things? Because whether we're saying yes or no authentically or not has to do with our emotional baggage around no. It has to do with what we've been socialized and conditioned with. I had to recognize that I was saying yes to this stuff because I was also afraid of saying no But also because my identity, my sense of worthiness was tied up in work, like it is for so many people. So it was like, well, if I don't get that promotion, I'm not going to be as worthy as I could be. So it's looking at, okay, well, even if I argue this is ambition, this is me just trying to get along in the world, what's driving this? Because if we're not aware of that, we will burn out. We will exploit ourselves. We will be miserable at work in some way, shape or form.
3: I'm Benjamin Law. I am a writer and broadcaster. I work in TV, print and, of course, a little bit of radio. Do you know what no smells like? The beach. Because when you say no, you get to go there.
1: I love that so much.
3: I just came up with it. It's like I'm a writer or something.
1: Let's face it, Ben. You're a popular guy. What's your technique for saying no at work?
3: It's funny, Lisa, because I've actually struggled with saying no for my entire... Life and that has bled into my professional life. I think if, uh, you know, I was going to do the therapeutic kind of psychoanalysis, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people pleaser. I don't like letting people down. And for the beginning of my career, especially as a freelancer, it's so important to say yes. There were lots of years of yeses because if you don't say yes and if you don't accept work, you're not going to get paid. And so there are a few instincts in me that are conspiring together that make me feel an automatic aversion to saying no, which is one, I'm a people pleaser, and two, that survival mechanism that comes with being a freelancer and not being on a guaranteed wage.
1: What was the turning point for you?
3: One of the big turning points was simply not being able to bend the laws of physics and time. (laughs) (laughs) Because after a while, when you keep saying yes to things, you just simply can't take it all on board and your schedule gets crunchy, you start having to surrender other parts of your life. If you start saying yes to everything, well, other aspects of your life are just going to collapse around you. And then after a while, I just thought, why, why am I doing this? And the other thing is out of necessity, you're going to have to start saying no and you're going to have to start to get good at it as well.
1: I've heard an approach is when you say yes to something, think about what you're saying no to.
3: Oh, I love that.
1: But what's your test or technique?
3: So I remember reading an interview with Laurie Anderson that for artists and creatives, it's really important to learn how to say no and to develop your own criteria for what you say no to. So it becomes automatic. You barely have to think about it. And for her, the criteria was that, If it didn't fulfill two of the following three criteria, it was an automatic no for her. It had to be fun. It had to be interesting. And it had to make money. Three of those things in a row, you know, bing, bing, bing. That's an automatic yes. That was so helpful for me. After I read that, it was a massive light bulb moment because I used her hierarchy. I also used my own. Like, do you have time for it? Do you actually want to do it? Are you simply saying yes to defer it to future Benjamin? And is future Benjamin going to be absolutely irritated at the fact that you said yes to it?
1: Do you use the word no, Benjamin? Oh, that is such a
3: good question. Do I actually explicitly use the word no? I know I use the phrase, forgive me, and I'm so sorry, and apologies a lot.
1: Do you give a reason?
3: I used to. They don't need a reason. No without an excuse is fine. To the point where I remember the most brutal but admirable no that I've ever heard was for a Melbourne-based literary journal and they were approaching one of their favourite authors to to write for the journal. And they would send these out to all the authors they admired and the authors would come back with very courteous, charming, possibly AI-generated rejections. (laughs) But one author apparently wrote back with just several words which is, No, I don't want to. And that was the entire email. No sign off, nothing. And the editors were so shocked. But then the next moment they were like, that was awesome.
4: (laughs) (laughs) My name is Hema Kangason and I'm a leadership consultant. As a woman, and when I first started my career back in Malaysia all those years ago, when it's your first job, saying no is hard. I mean, it took me two and a half years to say my first no.
1: And as a young woman starting your career, did you feel like you were a people pleaser and found yourself saying yes to things more than no?
4: Actually, I wasn't a people pleaser. It was more because I come from Malaysia. I'm of Sri Lankan Tamil heritage, where we come from this heritage where you need to respect your elders. You need to respect people with authority. So it's not like I want to please them, but it's coming from that place of respect. So when they say do X. I'll say, okay, even though maybe I actually don't have the skills, experience, time, whatever it is, but I think it's that by default because it's just ingrained in us and I think for me that's the bit where I have to unlearn. Haima,
1: tell me about the joy of saying no and what it has brought you at work since you first said it.
4: Oh, wow. I'm like every single time I'm saying no, I feel I've got like power in me. Like hema has got this superpower, (laughs) like for me, it's actually not really just for myself. People come to our teams and see what we've done because we've been able to say no and then we prioritise things and then we get things done. And everyone's like, wow, how did y'all do it? Because we said no. You're listening to This Working
1: Life with me, Lisa Leong. And today we're talking about the joys of saying no at work. I'm speaking with author Natalie Liu. Natalie Liu has a fantastic saying that I want printed on a t shirt.
2: We are the stewards of our bandwidth. So we're the stewards of our time and our energy and our effort, but also these affect the way that we feel. And we have to be discerning about how we spend our attention, how we spend our bandwidth. So it's saying no to things that are not in alignment with who we are as a person and honoring that instead of shaming ourselves for doing that. And it's a work in progress. You know, you don't need to try and say no to everything straight away or even ever. But it's start somewhere, start anywhere and get a feel for it because you're never going to get better at saying no if you're always saying yes.
1: You've got some great ways of saying no without using the word no. Can you take us through some of those
2: options, please? Let's say somebody asks you to do something like, thanks so much for asking, but I don't have the bandwidth for that at the moment. I also encourage people not to say sorry. That's really for like the most urgent of situations that's really hard it's hard but why are we apologizing for saying no it's like oh i'm so sorry why because now you sound like you're doing something bad for turning around and saying no it's like i can't take this on at the moment i don't have the bandwidth for that i'd love to but i can't can you come back and ask me about that again like in another couple of weeks it's not as if we're saying unless of course we are but most of the time we're not saying no not forever and ever and ever more it's no not right now
0: My name is Bruce Tulgan and I am the author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work and the founder of Rainmaker Thinking. Sometimes it's not about saying no, it's really about saying not yet. It might be not yet because I need you to go back and figure out a few things. It might be not yet because I need to go do a pro and con analysis. I need to go get permission. I need to go figure out what really is this going to require of me. It may be not yet because I have so much on my plate right now. I just don't have time right now. The secret to a great yes is you got to know exactly what are you going to do? Exactly. How are you going to do it? Exactly. How long is it going to take? that's when you're ready to say yes. And then, you know, people just go to you. You become a go-to person because people know when they go to you, if they get no, it's for a good reason. If they get not yet, it's worth waiting. And if they get yes, you are gonna deliver.
5: Hi, my name's Alicia Taylor-Jones and I'm a diversity and inclusion professional. An early example of me being able to say no at work I think it was when I found myself being allocated a bunch of tasks that were not really a lot they certainly weren't aligned with my skill set they definitely weren't aligned with my interest and arguably they weren't aligned really with my job description so that was my first sort of push to be able to step back and go you know what Rather than just eking this out and grin and bearing it, maybe there's something I can step up and say here to change the whole situation. I think that context and making sure that you share context when you're choosing to say no is really important, particularly to the person that you're saying no to. Brene Brown has this wonderful saying of clear is kind, unclear is unkind. I love that because it is actually about how can you come to a shared understanding so for saying no in the workplace, I think the first thing you need to work out is, is there a strong impetus for you to say no? Is this important? Or is this really not worth mounting a hill for? If it is important for you to say no, then what can you do to actually mitigate the impact of that no? So is it a not yet? Is it a yes, but in a different time frame or with some different parameters? Or if it is a hard no, How can you delegate or allocate that task elsewhere so the work is still going to get done, just not necessarily by you?
1: Natalie, in your book you outline six steps for finding joy in saying no. Can you take us
2: through those steps? Yeah, so the first step is about getting to know your people pleaser. And I I encourage people to do this because, look, yeah, there's going to be crossover between us about how we people please, but actually we have very specific things uh, and and people actually in situations that bring out the people pleaser in us. And so this step is really about getting a sense of where you spend your yeses, nos, and maybes, and then looking at where you can cut back on some of those yeses. Because obviously invariably as a people pleaser, you have way more yes than you do no. The next step then is about recognizing your baggage. So what I mean by this is that it's not that people don't get on our nerves, it's not that people don't, for instance, ask too much of us at work. But what we have to look at is what's the baggage behind the way that we go about doing things or, or how we're feeling or responding. So where else have we felt, fought and acted similarly? And a light bulb will go on. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, my boss reminds me of my mother, <laughs> or my coworker reminds me of my sibling, who I was always competing with, who I was always overlooked for, you know, who I could never get the, the attention. And suddenly, it starts to make sense why they are so triggered in those situations. And it's not that those people that they're triggered by aren't necessarily doing something wrong, because look bullying, harassment, all those things are very real issues that that happen at work. But what we have to look at is what's the baggage behind why we are not saying no, why we are trying to please this person. Mm. Then the next step then is really about reparenting. So our people pleasing comes from It's a survival and coping mechanism that we learned in childhood. And when we can be kinder to those younger parts of us that exist in all of us, then we are less inclined to people please. Instead, we start to take care of ourselves in the present. And so, in that step, I share various different tips and tools for really being kinder and gentler to us, but also really overcoming some of that inner criticism. Then we are on to make it a desire. Or say no. And this I I find that people find this to be like a real revelation. Wait, a desire? Wait, what do you mean? And that's because a lot of the time we're doing things from a place of obligation. Mm. I have to. I have no choice. It's what's expected of me. We do things inauthentically and we wind up feeling resentful. And that leads to far more problems than if we just said no in the first place. And I ask people to look at what's the difference between what you want to do and what you feel obliged to do or what you think people expect of you. And if there's a difference between those two things, that is where the tension, friction and resentment build up. Mm. And this helps us to get in touch with what feels good and right for us because when we do things from a place of wanting to, we make more authentic choices, but we also stop doing things that are harmful to our well being. The fifth step then is about cutting back on hinting. And, you know, a classic example of this in the workplace is that we feel like we are saying something, but we are not. Oh. So we're not coming out straight and saying, oh, I don't like this, or I have a problem with this. Instead, we've gone around the houses. And so come out straight and say, I don't have the bandwidth for this project. I, I don't really want to do this, but I'm kind of going to drop hints about it, complain about what my workload is, hope that people take the workload away from me. Be more honest about what your bandwidth is so that people understand how they can best work with you. The last step is to learn from challenges and eruptions. And what is this telling me about the boundaries that I need to create? And in a classic example of challenges and eruptions that people experience at work, burnout, feeling disillusioned with their career, or coming up against repeat frustrations, for instance, with clients or customers or with coworkers. These are all opportunities to really take a closer look at what do I need to say no to here so that I can say yes to what is better for me. So plenty of people when they experience, for instance, redundancy or burnout, it's so hard going initially, but it makes the person then really reconsider their relationship with work. What would
1: you say to people listening about the joy it can bring to them in their working lives to say no?
2: So the great thing about saying no at work is that actually it can really reignite your career. You don't have to be exhausted at work all the time. You don't have to be overloaded all the time. And that actually... Rather than being, for instance, the dog's body for stuff that you don't really want to be doing at work, by saying no to that stuff, you can say yes to the type of work that you actually want to do. You can create more meaningful relationships. You can open up opportunities. For instance, if you're interested in leadership or moving into a different area, you can't do that type of thing without saying no to the stuff that isn't a fit for that. I think as well at work, you command a great deal more respect as well when you're willing to draw that line because people actually know where they stand with you
1: natalie thank you so much
2: thank you so much for having me lisa
1: thanks for saying yes to this interview instead of no (laughs) (laughs) thanks to all our guests for saying yes to talking about saying no and thanks to producer zoe ferguson who's been practicing her nose but not to me right this working life is made on the lands of the Bidjigal people of the Darug Nation and the Wawarajari people of the Kulin Nation. I'm Lisa Leong. And until next time, work it, baby. Yes, we're persisting with that one.
0: <laughs> ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.